Gavin, we're Gavin, we're Gavin, we're Gavin, we're Gavin, we're Gavin. Welcome to Gabbing. Gabbing. With Gracie and Heather. How is it going? It's going pretty good. I am still catching up on last week's drink because remember it was a very big bottle. Oh, Barefoot, yeah. wide open bale. See that? Yes. I'm drinking Guinness. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Unbelievable. That's I like know. really. Sometimes you just need a beer, right? Yeah, and this is a very. I mean, Guinness. I don't drink normally, like on a daily. I'll drink like a lager, but I saw it and I was just like, I'm having a day. I need a beer. There you go. Well, we are <laughs> continuing <laughs> with our never-ending series. Move over, Supernatural. We have Pride and Prejudice to talk about now. Part three. Lord have mercy. It is, it is getting to Supernatural level. <laughs> it really, really is. Well, we've made it all the way to Chapter 13. I'm, I'm very excited about it. I, w I, I was yeah. quite interested in what I was reading. I got to the point last time where I thought, I'm now going to read this letter from uh, Mr. Collins to Mr. Bennett, and I still didn't read it, by the way. And you just <laughs> skipped like, over it? I just skipped like, over I it. Know. Well, see, and that's the thing that I'm really enjoying about reading this now, is like, before, like, we've read this book multiple times. You have probably read it more than I have. But, like, we've read it for, like, pleasure, and now we're reading it with the intention of discussing it, so we're picking up on so many things that we kind of would have, like, just Glossed right over. You could say that. Well, Gracie, you've got to read that letter. I, I'm, I glossed over it. I guess. It is. It's a lot longer than I remembered it being. Really? Why? Yeah. For some reason, I thought it was just like a couple lines. I think maybe because you might be thinking about the miniseries. I don't think you read the full letter. Possibly. I think yeah. you might have chosen certain sentences to divulge, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and it was basically anything that would have made Mr. Collins stand out as the dimwit that he is. Mm -hmm. And also, because he's telling his wife about the letter mm -hmm. in the miniseries, he's probably, he probably doesn't have to do the whole first part. He probably doesn't mm -hmm. talk about mm -hmm. the disagreement between Mr. Bennett and his father and whatnot. So, he probably does Yeah, I mean, really, all we need to know is that he is coming in the day of fortnight, <laughs> or no, he's staying for a fortnight. He's staying for a. Is he staying for a fortnight? Am I making that shit up? Let me I see. think I think you're right. He like he arrives Monday, November eighteenth, by four o'clock, which is that exact same day. Literally, it's the last two sentences that we need to know in this letter. Now that I'm looking at it. Yeah, so he's coming Monday, the November 18th, like you said. So Saturday, stay night, following. So stay night is, you see, I guess I should have read the letters because I would have known what stay night is. A week or seven nights, a term already obsolete and suggesting some pomposity on the part of the writer. So is it just a week then? Really? A lot happens in a freaking week. I thought it was two weeks. I guess not. A week or seven nights. Yeah. Seven, oh, seven nights, S-E-N, 
probably makes sense is a shortened way of saying seven. Isn't that greater? So maybe it took two weeks. No, it couldn't have. He written, he wrote the letter the 15th of October. By the time Mr. Bennett received it, sent a response back, maybe two weeks had already gone by. That's where I think I'm getting the two weeks. I think he said that he waited. Sorry, everybody. I just yeah. did Fortnite in my head. Yeah, I'm sure it's somewhere. But, but what yeah. I want to... To, to not specify, what I want to bring to attention here is that he's known about this letter for how long, and he decides to tell the oh, rest of his go. family. He's known for a month. He says, about a month ago, I received a letter, and about a fortnight ago, I answered it, for that it was a case of some delicacy and requiring early attention. Mm, That's not very early attention. <laughs> no. them really like you yeah. would think he'd have some consideration to his four daughters lizzie at least Ex especially lizzie so he's known about this a fortnight ago two weeks before he knew that mr combs was coming but did not say anything and now that i think about it he was right i was gonna i was going to complain yeah how dare he but it would have been two weeks of mrs bennett she would have been That's all I'm going to say. Yes. Yes. It's acceptable. Because it, did he give her one day's notice, or is it the same day that he's yeah. arriving? It's the same day, because after the letter, it says, after the letter, it says, at 4 o'clock, therefore, oh, we yeah. may expect the speech-making gentleman, said Mr. Bennett, as he folded up the letter. Wow. And I think he asked, he, doesn't he ask, like, what's, What's for dinner? I hope you have fish or something like that. Yeah. Something for Miss Hill. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she was thinking it was Mr. Bingley. She was wishing. The That's opposite funny. of Mr. Bingley. I hope, my dear, said Mr. Bennett to his wife as they were at breakfast the next morning, that you have ordered a good dinner today because I have reason to expect an addition to our family party. The audacity. What is this all? He's like, excuse me? Yeah, you I gotta think find meal would be. for an extra person. Mm. It's rude, if anything. It is. It really is. Like, how dare you? How dare you? At least give one day notice. Oh Lord, have mercy. So we finally get to meet dear Mr. Combs. But if anything happens before that, I don't think so. Right? It's kind of no, because he pretty much just like arrived two weeks then. So Mr. Collins arrives as we transition into from chapter thirteen to fourteen. He arrives in chapter 13, but this was really their introduction. And it's pretty quick, it seems like. But I, I think, I feel as though we immediately, or maybe because we've read this book so often, like we just get an idea of his personality. Yeah. His air was grave and stately, and his manners were very formal. He was already complimenting Mrs. Bennett on having so fine a family of daughters said he had heard such he had heard much of their beauty but that in this instance fame had fallen short of the truth like dude bring it down a notch already hmm. he's very like he likes to frame the compliment like they talk about like um when they
dinner, the girls smile at each other, and then they say, they were not the only objects in Mr. Collins' admiration. The hall, the dining room, all the furniture were examined for taste. <laughs> like, he's like, he's got to comment on everything. He does. My understanding from having read this now, and actually paying attention, like the way you said, we're actually focusing on this more so than ever before, he does it because he knows he's going to compliment an individual and that's going to put him in their good graces. Like, he wants to be seen as, like, a good guy, essentially. That's true. I'm actually probably going to contradict myself because isn't there something in one of the dinner scenes where Mr. Bennett mm-hmm. asks mm-hmm. him about his graces? Mm-hmm. And does he say mm-hmm. something about his father? Mm-hmm. He, I, I don't recall that, but he does talk oh. about... It being, oh, if I could just find it. I found it. Okay, Uh, wait. Let's see if it's the same thing we're thinking about. Oh, so um, you judge very properly, said Mr. Bennett, and it is happy for you that you possess the talent of flattery with Mm -hmm. delicacy. May I ask whether these pleasing attentions proceeds from from the impulse of a moment or the result of previous study? And then he says, they arise chiefly from what is passing at the time. And though I sometimes amuse myself with suggesting in speech as such little elegant compliments as many, as may be adapted to ordinary occasions, I always wish to give them as unstudied an air as possible. So he doesn't mention his father, but he does. Okay. For some reason, I thought he mentioned his father. But what I love about this is the next line where it says, Mr. Bennett's expectations were fully answered. His cousin was as absurd as he had hoped, and he listened to him with the keenest enjoyment, assuming at the same time the most resolute composure of countenance, and expect in all occasions, ex- and accepting an occasional glance of Elizabeth, requiring no partner in his pleasure. Mm-hmm. He just like enjoyed everybody being like he, ridiculous. He, <laughs> enjoy- he takes so much happiness, so much joy in seeing people act up. He's such a brat. He is. He is. And he knew exactly what he was doing. He intentionally asked him that question because he had a feeling already that that is what he was doing. And his Lizzie is his little partner in crime, which is why she's Mm -hmm. the only one that would get a glance Mm -hmm. during that Mm -hmm. time. She's the only one that would get it, you know. Jane is too good. Mrs. Bennett and Lydia are probably, well, Lydia's probably rolling her eyes. And I don't know about Mary and Kitty, so <laughs> Mary's probably thinking about some scripture somewhere. And exactly. Kitty is just following Lydia's lead. Precisely. You're absolutely right, as you like to say. <laughs> and you are absolutely right, because this is what I wanted to talk about. He, he knows exactly what he's doing. And he gives it away to the whole family, too, the idiot. Yeah. He doesn't say, oh, no, it just comes naturally. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, what are you talking about? No. He's like, oh, no, I see exactly this, you know. Depending on the situation, sometimes it's rehearsed, sometimes it's not. Oh, Mr. Collins. Oh, Mr. Collins, indeed. And they already, I think this was like the same evening, right? They already have had enough of him. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think you're referring to the next part. Oh, yes, she was rude. By tea time, however, the dose had been enough, and Mr. Bennett was glad to take his guest into the drawing room again, and when tea was over, glad to invite him to read aloud to the ladies. Mr. Collins readily assented, 
and a book was produced, but on beholding it, for everything announced it to be from a circling library, he started back and begging pardon, protested that he never read novels. Kitty stared at him, and Lydia exclaimed, exclaimed. Other books were produced, and after some deliberation, he chose Fordyce's sermons. Lydia gaped as he opened the volume, and before he had, with very monotonous solemnity, read three pages, interrupted him with, Do you know, Mama, that my Uncle Philip talks of turning away Richard, and if he does, Colonel Forster will hire him. And I'm going to leave it at that. So we do get Richard in, in the mix yep, there. And which we just, talked about last week. Yes. She just uninterrupted the poor man while he was trying to read. Side note, I think that's the only time Richard's mentioned in the entire novel. Oh, okay. Fordyce sermons, that was geared toward young ladies. And it was like an, it was kind of like an etiquette, like how young ladies should be acting. Yes. Do you want me to read the uh, little Oh, is there a blurb? Yeah. Yes, but I just want to say that in a lot of these Mary Bennett adaptations, like books and stuff, they mention her reading the, these sermons all the time. Like, they really focus on it. I would not be surprised, but, uh, okay, well, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, he, he basically said it. I mean, Fordyce's sermons, James Fordyce's sermons to young women, 1766, have been attacked by Mary Wollstonecraft in a vindication of the rights of women, 1792, for being written in, quote, such an effective style. The scene here recalls the rivals, one to where Lydia languished, deprived in her dressing room, has to hide her novels and leave Forsyth's sermons open on the table. Forsyth's condemned modern novels and their dangerous effects on young women. Hence, the careful irony of Lydia Languish's choice and Austin. Now, I don't know who Lydia Languish's is, but now I'm curious. Well, do you know who, and I'm going to re not remember the name, Mary that you just mentioned? Mary Wollstonecraft? Yes. Well, she, she was famous for writing... Oh, oh right, girl, no. I do you know who her daughter is? A Vindication is of the Rights of Women. The Rights of Women. Yeah, that's what she's most famous for. Frankenstein? Yes, she is Mary Shelley's mother. Look at you. I don't know how I knew that girl. <laughs> I brought that out of nowhere. But there was something telling me because it's Mary, Mary, and I couldn't remember Mary Shelley's freaking last name. I was like, is this? this? I don't know. That was a, that was a guess. Yeah. Jeopardy, here I come. She was a fascinating woman. Yeah, the Mary Wollstonecraft. Whatever. Not surprising. Yeah. She just, like, cannot hold her tongue. Like, she could at, at, have asked that, but quietly. You know what I'm saying? And it had nothing to do with anything. No. You never mentioned Richard before. You never mention him again. I mean, it's I hope he doesn't <laughs> get fired. <laughs> but at least he's got a job if he does get fired. Oh, my God. And it doesn't, like, what kind of bugs me is, like, we never know, like, why is Richard still still letting go? If he's and plus if he's that great that like they're gonna they want him in the army if he gets let go like why is she letting him go? Yeah, that you know that is a really good point because obviously everyone is in everyone's business. So why would he, why is he being let go? And is it so bad that the like the 
before, so it wouldn't take him in. Take him in. Yeah. I don't know. We know well, things we need to know. Exactly. Can we have a story about Richard? That would be an interesting fan fiction. There might somebody, be one already yeah. made. There's somebody out there. Somebody, somebody picked up on the whole Richard, Richard. thing and was like, let me give this man a story. I think that was like really it for chapter 14. I think so, you know. Mr. Yeah. Collins got offended. He said he wouldn't read again. And then people started playing oh, backgammon. Yeah. Have you ever played backgammon? I was just about to say I've never played ga backgammon and I don't know anything about backgammon. I think I wanted to learn how to play it. Because you know what? They, they played it play in it. that movie, and I remember thinking, that looks interesting. So I got it one year for Christmas. Is this a game for a high society? <laughs> like, is it strategic? Is it like checkers or chess? Yeah, I think it's kind of strategic if I remember correctly. Oh, forget about it. Listeners, does anyone know how to play backgammon? Let us know. And forget about it. I don't do strategy. I suck oh, at I, like I suck strategy. at checkers. I suck at checkers. I haven't even learned how to play chess. The girls know how to play chess. I don't know. Don't take me there. Don't take me to war with y'all. I'll feed you. <laughs> don't challenge me on my chess. I used to play it. I don't know if I remember it. But they talk about backgammon, and then later on they talk about whisk, and I've always wanted to learn how to play whisk. Well, let's see what happens next in our lovely little book. This is all about Mr. Collins. The subjugation in which his father had brought him up had given him originally great humility of manner, but it was now a good deal counteracted by the self-conceit of a weak head living in retirement and the consequential feelings of a girly and unexpected prosperity. A fortunate chance had recommended him to Lady Catherine Burr when he was living in Huntford, when the living to Huntford was new. So, his father didn't really raise him correctly. Essentially. Yeah. Do you think that is because it seemed like his mom wasn't around? Maybe she had passed away when he was young? Yeah, I don't think they mention his mother at all, so... They don't. They really don't. They also don't mention Mr. Darcy's mother or Mr. Bingley's mother. Oh, well, I take it back. They oh. do mention Mrs. Darcy, I guess. I don't know what she goes yeah, by. Yeah, because that was Lady Catherine's sister. That's right. So she was, and I think she was like a lady, like because I think she had a title. Yes, I believe you are correct. But it correct. didn't pass on to Darcy because it was you can't get your title from your mother at the time or whatever. Yes, we learn about this in our encounter with someone. I, I, we'll just read it out when we get to that yeah. point, shall we'll we? Get to, we'll get to her at some point. Yeah. Basically, in this chapter, all the girls, minus Mary, walk with Mr. Collins to Meryton, and they end up running into Denny, who is with a handsome stranger. Yes. Who ends up being Mr. George Wickham, who has just joined the regiment. were struck with the stranger's air, all wondered who he could be, and Kitty and Lydia, determined, if possible, to find out, led the way across the street under pretense of wanting something in an opposite shop, and 
unfortunately had just gained the pavement when the two gentlemen turning back had reached the same spot. And thank goodness they know Danny, because otherwise they wouldn't be able to approach them. Oh, oh my god. And that would have been tragic. Oh, definitely. They would have found a way, though. To be teenager again, oh my god. I was so dramatic myself. Like, I totally get them. <laughs> well, I was just about to say, it was the pure drama of the teenager. The pure drama, the hormones, all are raging. Everything is so big. Everything, yeah. I wish we could say that again. Like, and no one feels and understands what they go through. Well, next, so they're talking with Sir Wickham and Mr. Denny. And up rides Mr. Bingley and Mr. Darcy. Who were on their way to Longbourn to inquire after Jane and how she was feeling. Because this wasn't, this was like the day after, right? Or like two days after she it came back. It was a real short time, yeah. Well, I'm um, trying to find the part that I love because. Is it when Elizabeth happening to see the countenance yeah. of both as they looked at each other? was all astonishment, and they, as in Mr. Darcy and George Wickham, was all astonishment at the effect of the meeting. Both changed color, one looked white, the other red. Mr. Wickham, after a few moments, touched his hat, a salutation which Mr. Darcy just deigned to return. What could be the meaning of it? It was impossible to imagine. It was impossible not to long to know. Now, do you think was white and who do you think was red? That is a very, 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 very good question that to this day well like, could be either way because Wickham could have been white like holy shit and Darcy could have been like I'm gonna fuck this dude up. Exactly. But then it could have been like Wickham is like this this motherfucker coming up here and he's gonna tell everybody what I did and then Darcy might be like oh my oh god, my god. So it like, could go either way. It could, it could, and I love that she doesn't say it. Yeah. Thank you for true. bringing that up because I never realized that. I always wondered, like, well, who could it be? But I never thought about it that through. Thank you, yeah. Heather. Oh. Well, I just my initial response was, oh, Wickham was white and Darcy was red. But then I was like, but knowing Darcy, he's starting to feel things for Elizabeth. So this man who really messed up his family is now suddenly like in the street talking to this oh my woman God, that I now I have feelings about. I never even thought of that. I never even thought of that. And, and and this is with the knowledge that we have. Yeah. I'm still acting like as if I'm just seeing all of this for the first time. You're yeah. absolutely right. I love this book so absolutely much. Absolutely right. Oh my gosh, Heather. Ooh, I'm so excited right now. <laughs> <laughs> That is great. That is just <laughs> wonderful. And of course, Bingley doesn't notice anything. <laughs> oh, he's like all his happy, oblivious <laughs> self. He's got Bingley on the brain. <laughs> he's like a happy dog. He's just like, oh, yeah, he's just, just vibing, living his best life. So we see that they eventually leave, Bingley and Darcy, right? They're like, oh, we just came to check in on you, and that's it. I found that so quick. You would think he would have stuck around a little bit longer and say, where are you going? Could I walk with you? But they don't have chaperones. You know what I find interesting? They don't have chaperones. Miss, well, Mr. Collins would be their chaperone. Why, though? Because he ain't going to 
was an older man, but we related to him. They were only there for a hot minute, which doesn't make any sense to me. If you're, like, that interested, then why aren't you around? But I, I, I do remind myself, like, this is different times. Like, you would have not allowed somebody to talk to you for so long. Like, and even if they would have gone, it would have been, like, 15 minutes because they would just go on a call. Long time. Well, it says, I don't know. Okay, it was Bingley because it says, in another minute, Mr. Bingley, but without seeming to have noticed what passed, took leave and rode on with his friend. Because mm. I was like, did Darcy prompt them to leave? I could see that happening. But, yeah, you would think that Bingley would try to, like, find any excuse to be near me. Yeah, but maybe because of societal norms, like, yeah. you're not supposed to be around something, even though you, you're saying that Mr. Collins is a chef. And they're on their way to their aunt, so, like, perhaps it was just, like, they really shouldn't be inviting themselves or considering them from going to the aunt's house or something. That would make sense. Because they are proper gentlemen. That is true. They go to Miss Phillips. There's Mr. Collins complimenting her. Um, of course, she thought that he was dissing her home for a second there, but she realizes that he's actually comparing her whatever room it was to the small yeah. breakfast parlor, which I have I understood that. Uh, let me find my little testy annotations and get back. No, well, I mean, she eventually does like him because he's he's offering so much compliments. I don't know. She becomes entranced because doesn't she doesn't it say like she can't wait to go talk about everything that he's told her to all her other lady friends. But yeah, at first she's like put off by him and she's like dazzled by Wickham because he's so charming. But then like yeah, Mr. Collins seems to. Oh, this is oh, the, this is like later on, um, in the party, the little get together that Mrs. Phillips winds up having. Yeah, it's not like a full on dance or anything, but they have like supper and play games and stuff. So that's when they talk about Wick. There we go. I'm sorry, I'm like going back, and you know, Mrs. No, Phillips fine. is very happy to see her nieces, but um, I guess did they ever enter the house itself? Because I could have sworn they entered the house, and this is having reread this just recently, and that's when he paid the compliments. But you are right. Well, Here it was it probably is. they okay. just went for a short visit, like how we were talking about the other week, how like you would go for short visits, like it could be like 15, 20 minutes, like for tea or something like that. But they make plans for the next day to have like the get together and play games yeah. and stuff. Like something more formal. It is him complimenting her um, home, the size and furnishings, the apartment that he declared he might almost have supposed himself in the small summer breakfast parlor at Rosie. A comparison that did not, at first, convey much gratification. But when Mrs. Phillips understood from him what Rosie's was and who was its proprietor, when she had listened to the description of only one of Lady Catherine's drawing rooms, and found that the chimney piece alone had cost 800 pounds. She felt all the force of the compliment and would hardly have resented a comparison with the housekeeper's room. 800 pounds, that's absurd. 800 pounds. Let me, let, let's break it down here, okay? That's so first off, of 
first off, the small summer breakfast parlor, the reference to more than one breakfast parlor is an indication of the superior size of Lady Catherine's house. I didn't get that. Did you get that? I never got that. Well, why would you have more than one unless you had a huge ass house? Exactly. And then the chimney piece alone had cost 800 pounds. Chimney pieces were very elaborate, often forming the central figure of a large room. The ornate surrounds might be carved from marble or wood and had recently come to include details such as ionic columns as the neoclassical interior designs of the Adam brothers became fashionable. At 800 pounds, Lady Catherine is nevertheless the chimney piece to end all chimney pieces. Mr. Collins's pride in its cost is a sign of his own lack of bleeding. Which I'm like, what? Really? <laughs> Why would that be his own lack of bleeding? It's like showing off in a way, like, oh. Yeah. Okay. Like, because somebody that has a lot of wealth isn't going to, like, flaunt it. Brag about it. But here he goes and he brags about it. So, and so my question is, how does he know that it costs 800 pounds? I mean, people find out about things regardless, yeah. right? Like, someone has to talk, and it's her. Or, like, maybe he finds out from, like, the mom or something. That seems possible. Yeah. Like, he's a bragger, but not of his own. He's a bragger of, like, he's trying to live vicariously through Lady Catherine. Well, she gave him the living, right? Yeah. She invites him over to and play like, games. You even see, like, Darcy, he downplays, like, if his estate comes up or anything says like oh it's not me it's been generations of slowly people like getting little things here and there and mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. he's trying to like kind of downplay not everybody thinks how that way so yeah so it's probably like frowned upon and in society to talk about money and what things cost and things like that and that's why like when Benick is talking about like oh he has four or five like thereof you just don't talk about money at that yeah because she's even talking about how the sisters i think at one point don't talk that much money yeah and i'm like why are you talking about people's business mind your business yeah she loves to like have days at the lucas sisters it just drives me nuts because i don't see yeah. the point in it she's very oh. competitive for them she is and they're well. supposed to be her friends you know Friends like hers. They're frenemy. That's right. Well, at this little get-together, who shows up? Well, he gets invited because he... Well, that is true. That is true. Because <laughs> he, just, he just showed up. He just showed up. <laughs> Sorry. But you know what I mean. Like, yeah, so he specifically films, shows up after his invitation. was the happy man towards whom almost every female eye was turned. And Elizabeth was the happy woman by whom he finally seated himself. Because he's got eyes for ladies. I only have eyes. He's got some story to tell her. Freaking William. You want to tell it? Because I'll, I'll probably get pissed off. 
<laughs> Let me find it. Please. Because Please I'm just me. like, I just like. So well, now we know. Exactly. Well, everyone, please remember that Elizabeth at know. this point, yeah, she she does just doesn't like Darcy because yeah. of his attitude. She thinks he's um a proud individual, yeah. hence the title Pride and Prejudice. She doesn't know. He does not play whiz. He inquired how far Netherfield was from Meryton, and after receiving her answer, asked in a hesitating manner how long Mr. Darcy had been staying there. About a month. to interrupt but I liked I how he like this is my first time saying sorry to interrupt he kind of like I feel like he kind of like shouts her out like I believe your opinion of him would in general astonish and perhaps you could not express it quite so strongly anywhere else and it's like she can say whatever the fuck she wants to say to him because she wants to say it to him whether she wants to say it to him that's a really good point you know I was like hold up wait a minute okay no and I'm glad she said you know I say no more here than I might say in any house in the neighborhood. Yeah. But but she's also saying it because she knows everyone doesn't like him. Yeah. Like you said. So if it was in different circumstances, she might not be saying it. Possibly. Which, you know, you also don't want to be starting rumors. Like, there has to be other people starting rumors as well. Yeah, see, that's where he's trying to... He's playing it cool. Because mm-hmm. he's not... He's trying his best to just learn what she's about to say. Like so he's, then he he's just probably like gently prodding her. So he goes, he he's like, you know, the weather weather likely to be in the country much longer. And she's like, oh, I don't know. And then she's worried about him being driven off by Mr. Darcy. And he's like, no, I'm trying to find the good part. Uh, so he starts to talk about. Like, hmm, tell me more. 
something that just fell right into it. Yeah, she did. Let's find it here. She said it was the prospect of positive society and good society, which was my chief inducement to enter the Shire. I knew to be a most respectable, perhaps poor, and my friend Denny tempted me further on this account. So he's talking about how, like, he came to Meryton. So he knew Denny before, but they don't really go in how well, do they? I don't recall. I guess we'll find out. But I just feel as though he must have known him just recently because I don't yeah. think he would have gone through all that effort. Like, Wickle's personality is a winning personality. Like you just said, hook, line, sinker. He just gets everybody to trust him. And but that's how he screws over happen. the whole yeah because he's he's stupid he's smart but he's stupid yeah. at the same time because he's put himself in a situation that no one well girl let me not say anything we'll get to that point when we get to that point I feel like he couldn't have known her more than a couple of years because I think it's only been a couple of years since something happened if I'm doing the math correctly you know I but don't I don't yeah. know but we'll get into really that know. more but he goes on. Military life is not what I intended for, but circumstances have now made it eligible. The church ought to have been my profession. I was brought up to the church, and I should at the time have been in possession of the most valuable living, had it pleased the gentleman we are speaking of just now. Indeed. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the late Mr. Darcy bequeathed me the next preservation of the best living in his family. He was my godfather and incessantly attached to me. I can not do justice to his kindness. He meant to provide for me amply and thought he had done it, but when the living fell, it was given elsewhere. Good heavens, cried Elizabeth. But how would that be? So it turns out there was just an informality in the terms of the bequest as to give it no hope from law. A man of honor could not have doubted it then present, but Mr. Darcy chose to doubt it to treat it with a merely conditional recommendation and asserted that I had forfeited all claim to it by extravagance and prudence, in short, had paid for nothing. So yeah, so he's basically accusing Darcy of going against his father's wishes and not giving Which him is, mm-hmm. the livelihood that he had said that he was going to leave him. The living of being a preacher, yeah. just like Mr. Collins. Can you imagine Wickham as a preacher? God, he'd have impregnated the whole entire town and just try to. He would have created a cult. You're he would absolutely have created correct. A cult. Yeah, he really would. Just he has the cast stamina to be a cult leader. He has the charming features of someone. He's yeah. very cunning. But yeah, he's not cunning, and that's something that we will have to wait, unfortunately, to get into. But, you know, we should discuss further on, like, towards the end of the book, because there are yeah. certain people that I think he could have sucked in to his cult. Because even after knowing everything that you know, there's one particular person who still hook, line, and sinker loves him. Still hook, line, and sinker loves him. Okay, okay. And it's Maybe not Lydia. The, well, obviously not. I cannot think of who it is, but as we read, maybe yeah. I'll be like, this must be the person that Heather's talking about. Okay, so maybe we can have... Don't say anything. Don't say anything. I'll be going off in the last chapter. I will be going off, I will tell you. Okay. And maybe I'm we could put it up on IG and be like, what do you guys think? 
could Heather gonna go off on? Who is Heather going to go off to in the last chapter? But also, who is the person or who would have been part of Mr. Wyndham's cult? Which one? I mean, Lizzie completely hates every word coming out of this man's mouth. And she does so because she doesn't like Darcy. Simply because she doesn't like Darcy. She's being prejudicial against Darcy. Mm -hmm. She's just like this proud, arrogant man. Mm -hmm. Of course he would do this. Of course. Why would he not do this? But at this point, do you remember when you first read this? Were you like, what? Were you also like Lizzie? Did you believe it? I don't remember what I thought, but I think I would have felt the same way. I'd be like, I can't believe this. What? Because we don't know anything about Darcy. This man is giving us more information about Darcy in, like, a a page than we have with him interacting with Elizabeth at Netherfield. I don't remember because it's been... 30 years. It has been 30 years. Holy fuck. Likewise. Wow, Heather. I read it when I was 14, too. Yeah. I mean, 30 years ago. Yeah. Sorry, I'm giving away age. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we both read it when we were 14. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that I would have believed it because you're meant to, like, go along with whatever Elizabeth is thinking, right? And so far, what we've seen has not necessarily put him in a good light. He's just the guy who, like, you don't like him, and he happens to like Lizzie. Yeah, like, he's still, he's not treating Lizzie very nicely. No, he's not. I mean, he's better family. Than, he's better than the first moments, but, like, we're still not pro-Mr. Darcy at this point. Definitely not. And this or is not meant to be. Yeah, and, but, like, like, the whole, like, him talking about her eyes was the start of my confusion, because I was like, wait a second, I thought you did like her, and now you like her? This shows that we turned into little kids. Like, I don't like her, but I'm not going to treat her nicely. (laughs) You're right. You're absolutely right. And so we get a glimpse of Darcy through, supposedly, through Wickham. And they grew up together. Yeah. Because they they grew up in the same parish. Because they were born in the same parish, but in the same park. And the greatest part of our youth was passed together Inmates of the same house sharing the same amusements, objects of the same parental care. My father began life in the profession which your uncle, Mr. Phillips, appears to do so much credit to, but he gave up everything to be of use to the late Mr. Darcy and devoted all of his time to the care of the Pemberley property. Yeah, so he was basically the manager. He was kind of the, if you want to go to Downton Abbey, he was Tom. <laughs> he was Tom. Oh, yeah. Do you think that he truly cared for Darcy's dad? Was this I'm part sure of the he plan? was because he was, I mean, I don't think it's contested that Darcy was his unconditional godfather or that it he was, was just a, he was just a brat. status to be entitled even yeah. you, you know what I'm saying like it's not right for me to be saying that but that was the society at the time so, yeah. he, he, so he felt the need he felt that he deserved to have the same level as Darcy because of 
the late Mr. Darcy being so kind-hearted, he kind of raised him in the same house as him. He just gave him the same privileges that little Fitzwilliam Darcy. <laughs> so cute was given. So we have a, like, we'll get into it more when we learn more about Mr. Darcy, but they grew up in the same environment, but they ended up personality-wise being completely different. Which we could already see here because George Wickham is so charming upon first meeting him, where Mr. Darcy is very reserved and socially awkward and, yeah, doesn't ease into society, especially society he doesn't know. Which kind of makes sense because both Richmond and Wickham were truly impoverished people. Yeah, and I think we talked about that before. That's like, you can't trust, yeah, you can't trust it. Like, are they just after money borrows 10,000 a year. And that leads where we learn a little bit about Darcy. We also learn about his sister because... Well, from the perspective of George. Exactly. Yeah. From the perspective of George, if we couldn't help himself, what sort of a girl is this? He shook his head. I wish I could call her anything. If we can't speak ill of a Darcy, which I called him Dirty, by the way, you doing them dirty, buddy. Yeah. Especially little Miss Darcy. You know, she is too much like her brother. Very, very proud. As a child, she was affectionate and pleasing and extremely fond of me. And I have <laughs> devoted hours and hours to her amusement. But she is nothing to me now. She is a handsome girl of about 15 or 16. I understand highly accomplished. Since her father's death, her home has been let to her. The lady lives with her and superintends education. That is a loaded freaking paragraph right there where he says she was extremely fond of me. I devoted hours and hours to her amusement. You creepy as fuck, dude. I know. Like, I, like just saying hours and hours to her amusement, like, what does that mean? Like, it makes me think so much. Extremely fond. Well, especially us knowing the whole story. Exactly. And reading this. Exactly. You a creeper. Exactly. Like, how far did it go? And she, so she's currently 15 or 16. That's why I said, like, this whole thing that went down where they don't like each other, it couldn't have happened that long ago. So I don't think that Demi would have known him at that time. So I don't think Demi, like, I think you're right that Demi had not known him. Like, they're friendly he's enough so, that he was so like, come join my regiment, but yeah. he didn't yeah, you said he's charming. He could have just he not only are the women falling in love with him, but the men are falling in love with him. They're all just like mm-hmm. believing every single word that he says. And I'm just gonna fast forward just a little bit because it is part of chapter eighteen. But like Denny says essentially like he's not at this party because because of, because of Mr. Yeah. Darcy. And it's like, so he's been telling everybody already yeah. about Darcy. Like, he's, he's trying to get a step enough. ahead. Mm-hmm. Trying to get a step ahead of this so that Darcy looks like the bad guy. And Darcy is the one that has to, like, be uncomfortable and leave society. Because he's playing the game. And especially now that Elizabeth told him that nobody likes her. So Darcy hasn't made a good first impression. Very good point. Very good point. And also, he finally has place to call home, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. because it seems as though he hasn't been able to find a good footing since he wasn't able to get the living. We know why. Mm-hmm. The rural 
get into that until later. Okay, and we learn about Lady Catherine de Bourgh from, as you say, George's point of view. And Mrs. Darcy comes up and discusses Lady Anne Darcy. Or sisters. Consequently, as she is aunt to the present Mr. Percy. So apparently, everyone, Lady Catherine de Bourgh's daughter is to marry Mr. Darcy so that they can unite the family jewels. Yes, disgusting bunch of first cousins. <laughs> Gracie has very strong opinions of that. I do. What is it that he says specifically about Lady Catherine de Bourgh? And that's what I'm trying to find here. Oh, yeah, doesn't he say... Oh, he um, says... Yeah, you found because, it? Because, yes, because... Okay, so Elizabeth says, Mr. Collins speaks highly both of Lady Catherine and her daughter, but from some particulars that he has related of her ladyship, I suspect gratitude misleads him, and that in spite of her being his patroness, she is an arrogant, conceited woman. Lizzie also gives just stepping out, just talking as much as possible, because yeah. she wants to get as much information as possible. He says, I believe her to be both in a great degree. I have not seen her for many years, but I very well remember that I never liked her, and that her manners were dictatorial and insolent, which they both are, so he's correct in that. She has a reputation of being remarkably sensible and clever, but I rather believe she derives part of her abilities from her rank and fortune, part from her authoritative manner, and the rest from the pride of her nephew, who chooses that everyone connected with him should have an understanding of the first class. I feel like he's on point there. <laughs> In yeah. terms of her personality. He got that right. He got well, that even right. We have, we have a lot. I'm, I'm loving this rereading and stuff because it's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. After so, this yeah. get-together, it's the next day. Elizabeth related to Jane the next day what mm -hmm. had passed between Mr. Wickham and herself, the Laura child. And Jane, being Jane, <laughs> does not want anyone to be in the wrong. Nope. And so she's like, she's like, they, they have both been deceived, I dare say, in some way or another, of which we can form no idea. Interested people have perhaps misrepresented each to the other. It is, in short, impossible for us to conjecture the causes or circumstances which have alienated them without actual blame on either side. So she just, she can't bear it. And, like, Lizzie kind of makes fun of her. Like, Lizzie laughs at her and is like, Jane, you could never find fault with anyone. Basically. Basically. Yeah. And she's like, laugh as much as you want, but you will not laugh at me out of my opinion. Which I thought was very nice. I have to yeah. say, like, it's like they, they still stand their ground, both of them, but yeah. respectfully so. Yes, they very much love each other and respect each other, but they have that unconditional love that allows them to, to like, st stand their ground. Yes. Oh. Yeah. So as they're talking about all this, Bingley and his sisters show up to personally invite them to the ball at Netherfield, which is a very, very high compliment. Bingley sisters, Mrs. Hurst and Miss Bingley, I should say, were very attentive to Jane, 
avoiding Mrs. Bennet as much as possible, saying not much to Elizabeth and nothing at all to the others. They were soon gone away again. (laughs) I get avoiding Mrs. Bennet, but, like, I'm like, what is wrong with them? They have to be respectful, but they cannot help themselves because they're little bitches. You got six different women in the household that you're going to see and invite, and you're going to, like, completely ignore four of them, partially ignore one. In their own home. Yeah, in their own home. In their own home. Like, be it, it, they weren't there that long because literally it says, they were soon gone again, rising from their seats with an activity which took their brother by surprise, and hurrying off as if eager to escape from Mrs. Bennet's civility. So God knows they were probably there. Typically, a call is what, 15 minutes? They're probably there for like 10 minutes, 5 minutes. Well, 15 minutes, I think, would be like if it's somebody that you're not very familiar with, which would make sense for this situation because they might know Jane a little bit more, but they don't really know the rest of them. So, yeah, you're probably on point with that. But, like, poor Bingley is like, I just want to hang out with Jane. Yeah, this is the second opportunity that he's had, and he's not able to, like, really hang out. Yeah, but totally cock-blocker. <laughs> got Darcy on one side. We got Caroline and Louisa on the other side. And Jane and Charles are just trying to vibe together. And no one's allowing them to vibe. Oh, for God. Yeah. Uh, and then they're off. They're off. They're gone. Yeah. Well, and everyone's excited. It's the following Tuesday, I think. My what? book's too far away. It's not that far. So they don't have a long wait for me because Mr. Collins is going to be there. And he decides that, is true. that he it is it will be very acceptable for him to go to the ball. Elizabeth's spirits were so high on the occasion that though she did not often speak unnecessarily to Mr. Collins, she could not help asking him whether he intended to accept Mr. Bingley's invitation. And if he did, whether he would think it proper to join in the evening's amusement. And she was rather surprised to find that he entertained no scruple whatever on that head, and was very far from dreading a rebuke, either from the Archbishop, Archbishop or Lady Catherine de Bourgh, by venturing to dance. And what does he do? He cock-blocks Lizzie. <laughs> he sure does. He's like, could I have the first two dances? Which is, I would love to know more about the dances now, because I guess the first two are very, very important, that she was just like, oh, she was holding it for yeah. Wickham, and it annoys me to no fucking end, that it's just like, Wickham, 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 but, of course, but she, don't know. she doesn't know. Well, I think I have heard that it's supposed to be, like, the greatest compliment if a gentleman asks for the first dance, like, that means you're their, their preference for the evening, they want to see the First choice, first dance. Yeah. So for him to be like, oh, I want the first two dances. Poor Lizzie. He and he and freaking he freaking tells she's, it. Because she's like, I mean, she doesn't know for sure, but she's kind of hoping that Wickham will go and he'll ask her for it. Because she's drank the Wickham Kool Aid. She is. Mr. Wickham's happiness and her own was perforce delayed a little longer. Mr. Collins's proposal accepted with as good a grace as she could. So she's like including like just like their happiness, and it's just like like how do you how sure are you that you think Mr. Wickham's happiness is going to be taken away because he doesn't have the first dance with you? Like it makes you think like how much more they interacted. Well, we know that they interacted with each other a little bit more because the discussion 
was always about the dark scenes of him with the birds, yada yada. Yeah, they talked about other stuff. So they spent the whole entire evening together, it seems like. Yeah. And they're smitten. They are. They're in their first, like, giggly moment. And we're over here shaking our heads at Lizzie being like, girl, you don't even know. You don't know. Girl, stay away. We're throwing the red flags up. What I, what I found amusing was that if it wasn't for the Netherfield ball, like, apparently the, uh, the younger Miss Bennets would have been in a pitiable state at this time. For from the day of the invitation to the day of the ball, there was a succession of rain as prevented their walking to Meryton. Her aunt, her officers, her niece could be sought after. The very shoe roses for Netherfield were got by proxy. Or so I even know. Elizabeth might have found some style of So I wonder how many days have passed. Yeah. And the dance is on a Tuesday. See, could have made such a Friday, there more than Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Hold up. Okay, we're going to start investigating right now real quick. Because okay, hold he on shows a up on a Monday. There's no way he's only there for seven days. We're okay, well, well, we will continue to read. So, okay, so it rained Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and the falls on a Tuesday. Like, do people not work the next day? <laughs> These people don't work? <laughs> have we not discussed this? Hating. I am so freaking hating. I don't understand. How is that possible? But I just picture Lydia, like, sulking in the window, staring at the rain. Typing hard as fuck. She's yeah. she, she would be a really annoying younger sister. Yeah. So, oh, man, we don't have a freaking... Yes, okay, yes. He arrives Monday, November 18th, and he's supposed to stay at Senite. And we haven't read at all that they ask him to stay longer or that he's saying... Or he's asking if it's okay for him to stay longer. Perhaps, perhaps, even though it's not mentioned, because of the invitation to the ball, oh, accepts maybe. and he stays longer. But they didn't say that. Yeah. And how dare he not? Well, at this point, he doesn't know that Darcy and Lady Catherine de Burgh are related, right? I think maybe he eventually finds... No. I think he finds that out at or he brings it up because he already knew. Okay. Yeah, we'll get into it next week because we're actually yes. going to wrap this up. But I'm pretty sure that he, like, is like, oh, I heard that gentleman is related. He's the nephew of my patroness. And right. someone wants to go over and talk to him. And, then and Lizzie's like, like, no, no, I don't, think don't you, you dare. Do that. Man, I can't wait until next week. Yeah, I was crazy. Recently <laughs> got her fist up. She's ready to fight. I'm just like, but I have to try to remember, like, to you know, rear it back. We're gonna stop here. We'll continue on with chapter 18 and the Netherfield Ball. Next yeah, week. a lot of stuff I feel like goes down at the Netherfield Ball. Yeah, so we'll let us know your thoughts on this week's episode. What we've discussed, chapters 13 through 17. Yes, and answer if you haven't already. Who you think is the worst villain? We made a list of some people you might be surprised as to who we yeah. added. And it's for all of the Jane Austen novels. Yes. But yeah, let us know on Instagram. Let us know what you think in general. Any thoughts. And then uh, like and follow us on Instagram. Rate this podcast. The podcast is across most platforms where you can get podcasts. Uh, you can buy us a coffee. Yay! Just come say hi. Yeah, and, we'll take uh, a hi. Yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll be back to start up with Chapter 18. Thanks for listening to Gabby! Gabby!
Gather. Uh, uh, we're gathering. We're gathering. Uh, uh, we're gathering. We're gathering. Uh, uh, we're gathering.